Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, it's the mother of intermittent fasting again. Why? Because Jen Stevens came to my home to celebrate her most recent book and her other books. And I love to talk intermittent fasting. You'll get to hear from her right after this. Let me see a show of hands of those of you who shop at Costco. Now, let me go ahead and tell you that I love local stores. And I'm just mentioning this because we have listeners all over the globe. And many times there's a Costco near you. Now in Little Rock, I can tell you where to find Ralston Family Farms products. Heights Corner Market has it. Fresh Market has it. Bramble Market has it. Uh, Kroger Stores has it. Walmart, blah, 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 right? But if you're a Costco shopper, you can take advantage of a great deal and not have to buy the 25-pound bucket of rice. And that, that I think, you know, some people are like, mm, no, thank you. But there's a six-pack variety pack of Ralston Family Farms rice at Costco right now. Just saw it at the Little Rock Costco recently. So there are two of the jasmine, love it, two of the nature's blend, and that is a really good rice, and two of the traditional brown rice. Those are favorites that people love. And Ralston Family Farms, if you've listened to this podcast even more than once, you've probably heard me talk about them. Regenerative farming here in Arkansas, 10 generations of farmers of farming, and this what they have, this outstanding rice line, non-GMO product. Of course, it's gluten-free. You want to know who carries it where and when? Go to RalstonFamilyFarms.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Jen Stevens, and we're doing this live. We're recording it live. We're uh, going to upload it later, but we're doing a podcast with the one and only famous Jen Stevens in the flesh. <laughs> I've, I've only seen her via screens for many years because when I started intermittent fasting in 2017, that's when you actually had friend opportunities on your Facebook that's page. That's true. And yeah. I ooched my way in. Yeah. And I became a real, and I guess an FOG, friend of Jen. Well, yeah. I became an FOG. Jen is no longer on the Facebook. <laughs> so uh, RIP to Facebook for her. But that's when I think I developed a friendship with you and I could communicate with you. And I was brand new and I, I was still on the radio then. And I would, any radio station I was on, I was like, come on and be my guest. She was like, okay. She's such a good sport. <laughs> and when I launched my podcast, you were such a good sport. I said, I want to launch my podcast with you. I mean, you're the most famous person we know. Well. And you said, you were so gracious. You And you, even said I do every podcast request that I comes do. my way. I still do. I still do. That is, even if it's like, you know, two college kids in the dorm so doing a podcast. Yeah, you know, I don't mind because I'm a teacher and if they teach five more people about intermittent fasting, that's enough. And right? that really is. It's the multiplication mm-hmm. effect yeah. that we love about intermittent fasting, meaning you tell two people, we t- they tell two exactly. people. Like that shampoo commercial yes. from the 70s yes. or 80s, whenever You're that dating was. yourself. I'm not that well, old, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but we're here and we actually have people in my home um mm-hmm. just so people know it's called the topo chico unsweetened yep, I've got my uh, tea chico. and black coffee party it's the cheapest way to have a party invite your intermittent fasting friends and who are have fasting. it in the morning have it in the morning because you, you don't have to spend it i spent some dollars on some water and that was it absolutely and so you even told your host becky norris you said i'm a cheap date i just it's want black true. coffee she said what can i get for you i'm like i don't need anything right <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't that, that and we'll, we'll go over some of the freedoms of intermittent fasting, but everybody in here is an intermittent faster. Wouldn't you say one of the freedoms is not having to worry about food in the morning or yes. just, and when people ask you if you, have you stayed at other people's houses? Well, they'll say, well, we've got this and we've got that. And you're like, I'm good. I don't need any of that. I yeah. don't need any of that. Yeah. And we've got lots of questions here. First, we want to talk about cleanish. Uh, this book dropped in January, January did. 4th or mm-hmm. 5th. 4th, yeah. Um, and, of course, you are the New York Times bestselling author, like you don't know, of Fast Feast Repeat. <laughs> but I love the way, the thing about you, Jen, even though you do have your doctorate, you're not the know-it-all. You could be, girl, you could milk that thing. Well, you, a lot of people don't even know. Like, I, I met someone in the, the health and wellness field who's an influencer and, and mentors people who are coming up. She's like, why don't you call yourself Dr. Stevens? Do you have a doctor? I'm like, because that's not, my field is not, my field is gifted education. If I were writing books about gifted education, I would put Dr. Stevens yeah. on there. But I'm not going to do it in the health and wellness because that's not my credential. But it so. shows you've done the heavy lifting mm-hmm. of science, of research. Right, right. You know, know how to write a dissertation. You do. You do. And it's right here. <laughs> yeah. So cleanish, uh, how did this come about? Was it something you were thinking that we have a toxic overload or was your publisher saying, hey, we have a toxic overload? <laughs> well, no, that was from me. It's actually kind of funny because after Fast Feast Repeat was a New York Times bestseller, you know, my, my agent and my editor, they're like, what's your next intermittent fasting right. book going to be? And I'm like, I'm not going to write done. another intermittent <laughs> fasting book. I said everything I had to say in that one. There's not anything different, I would say. I don't need to write another book about intermittent fasting. It's called The Complete Guide for a Reason. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm done with that. Right. And they're like, yeah, but you do intermittent fasting. I'm like, well, I don't want to write another intermittent mm-hmm. fasting book. And, you know, so many of us in the community go through just what is a natural progression. When I started doing intermittent fasting um, back in, like, consistently back in 2014, I didn't change what I was eating. I was eating the standard American diet. I was going through drive throughs I was picking up deli fried chicken to take mm-hmm. home for dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't change what I was eating at all until later down the road. And over time, I started gradually craving different foods. And the, the better I ate, the better I felt. And it kind of just snowballed. But we hear that from a lot of intermittent fasters out there. You start to feel better. And then you also start to really, because we're fasting and we have you know our daily eating window, you suddenly can connect how you feel to what you're eating. And you're like, you know, every time I eat those French fries at that wonderful you know restaurant at the beach, my stomach hurts. I can't eat those french fries anymore and it's not because I'm dieting it's because I don't like the way my stomach feels after I eat them and so you just start naturally you know cleaning things up and so I was like I want to write a book that helps people make that progression and understand why because it's not just you know what you put into your body with your food it's also what you put onto your body Mm -hmm. and it's what you expose yourself to in your home environment and so as you start going down the rabbit hole you realize it's really really important did it shock you? Oh, yeah. What Because when you, you, it's one of those that you listen to it on Audible and get the book. I highly recommend both. Uh, you have to stop it on Audible because you're, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I, I, I'm walking into a, a, a cancer haven right now called well, my home. 
you know, or I'm putting things on my skin that yep. I'll, I'll be dead by midnight. You know, I mean, it's almost <laughs> You're not going to be dead by midnight. Right. It almost feels that way. <laughs> well, so. and once you start realizing how unregulated these industries are, like for example, you know, the um, personal care product industry, you know, some of the research absolutely shocked me. Um, the breast cancer partners, I can't think of the name of the group exactly, but breast cancer prevention partners, I think is the name of the group. They um, studied personal care products and, and things that people were putting onto their body or using, and they found shocking, shocking results. Like the worst product they found was a hair product marketed to children of color. That was worse than like things you clean your kitchen countertops oh, wow. with, right? Mm. And you would never take your kitchen countertop spray and mm-hmm. spray it on your child. Mm-hmm. Come here, let me spray this on you. Mm-hmm. No, you wouldn't do that. But you're buying these products and you're assuming that they're safe because they're selling them to us. And and it's, it's very unregulated. And the problem is they... Um, and there's a lot of problems, but they they test these chemicals one by one and in isolation. And they're like, well, if you use this little tiny bit and that's the only thing you're using, it's fine. But that's not how we live our life. You know, it's we cumulative. Go, it's cumulative. And so you live your life with a drop of this and a drop of that. And, you know, the best analogy for that is, is a bucket, you know, the bucket effect. And you know, we all have a bucket and everything that you put in your body, on your body, that's in your environment, fills up that bucket and your body has to process it. And once that bucket gets full, it overflows. Mm-hmm. And, and so many of us are living with an overflowing bucket and we don't know it. So the way you can help with that is put less in your bucket. And it's like what you're putting on your body, what you're cleaning your kitchen with and, and the foods that you're eating. And it really makes a difference. Well, you mentioned just flying here yep. and that your bucket was getting full yesterday. It is pollen season. It was season. so funny. It was so, like I lived it yesterday. Yes, right. And so tell me some of the things you encountered yesterday yeah. you didn't Monday through Sunday well, the week before. Well, you know, I'm from Augusta, Georgia, and, like, it is so bad. The other day I was looking out the window, and you could see the pollen yeah, floating green. through the mm-hmm. air, right? You go outside, and our black table mm-hmm. is now green, mm-hmm. you know, yellow. And so, but I haven't had seasonal allergies since um, 2016. And you attribute that to fasting. Absolutely. But also, I think a lot of it is, you know, what I use in my home and what I put on my body. But, you know, I'm, I'm not sneezing. I'm not having allergy medicine. I'm not having any problems. So yesterday I leave Augusta, get to the airport, get on the, the airplane. And, you know, they're spraying all this stuff. You go in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, they do. And the bathroom <laughs> in Atlanta had this, like, special thing on the wall and you rub your hand by it and it like releases fragrance poison motion activated yes. spraying you yeah no thanks and so then um, you know i'm cleanish right mm-hmm. so i, I don't clean-ish, have right. have any mm-hmm. kind of you know sometimes you know i'll eat things that are not like perfectly clean mm-hmm. and pristine so mm-hmm. i'm at the um the Delta Sky Club, and I'm like, you know, I had this extra long, you know, our plane had mechanical problems, so I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna have a glass of something bubbly, and ooh, the barbecue potato chips. Mm -hmm. I don't buy barbecue potato Mm -hmm. chips, but I love them. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm gonna have this little bag. So I start eating the potato chips, and my nose started tickling. Isn't that crazy? And, And like, I started sneezing. And I think that like, the pollen was in my bucket, and I was fine. And then I flew on the airplane and I was okay. And then like, I swear to you, those barbecue potato chips, my bucket was like, no. That was it. <laughs> so I sneezed and sneezed and sneezed. Like I feel bad for the guy sitting next to me on the plane. He was probably like, uh-huh, this is it, the plague. <laughs> plague girl next right. to me. But I was sneezing and my nose was running. And, 
and I and I was like my bucket just overflowed and those chips sent it right over the edge and so so what's the best way to detox a daily bucket I mean it's just put less in that's it and you know I just with I think the pollen you know, played a role for sure and then I just you can't you can't help the environment that you're in right yeah. I couldn't help the airports full of you yeah. know all that stuff and the plane who knows what they sprayed it down with before oh, that's it the all chemicals. that there's chemicals it's yeah. awful I don't know if you've heard we've had COVID for the last two years <laughs> so the world right so you go into yeah. businesses now and they give you the option to use their it's chemically ridden hand sanitizer no thank you i don't you know, use it yeah do you know i wash some, my hands with water in the beginning they wouldn't let you into like lululemon unless you use that's the true. hand sanitizer so i didn't, I go, didn't go in yeah. right but that's what i'm saying we that's one of the things we have to do to fight right for autonomy on what we want to use and i'm not going to use that they'll mm -hmm. and you know kids in classrooms don't have the option because teachers are walking around saying here's your hand sanitizer here's your yours well they don't know Right. And then they're mm -hmm. using the hair care products that is, you know, could clean coke, you know, it, yeah, whatever, clean yeah. whatever, right. It, it's so invasive. Mm -hmm. And so that's who I really, now we can make our own decisions, but our children oh, yeah. is who I really hate because the plastics they eat the food in and, mm -hmm. and I understand and it all adds it does up. Add and up. we see it in our kids right now. And, you know, I tell the story in Cleanish. You saw that in, in the introduction about my own son, Will, mm -hmm. who's now 22. That's a great story. Tell that. And, um, when my son Will was little, I mean, so many, I could talk about it for like hours, but he basically, I think, was born with an unhealthy gut. And a lot of that had to do with what I ate during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was taking my prenatal vitamins, so I thought I was good. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't really understand. Well, strawberry Pop-Tarts, you thought yeah, had fruit. McDonald's, Duh. you know. Right. It's, I'm taking my prenatal vitamin. I'm getting everything right. I need to build a healthy baby. <laughs> right. But no, we just, we don't really understand. I mean, I, we know a lot more now. Like, for example, about the gut. This was in, he was born in 1999. You know, they were not even really sequencing our gut microbiomes until later than that. They yeah. didn't know what was all in there. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wow, look at all this. We had no idea. But I think he was born with an unhealthy gut. He had thrush as an infant mm -hmm. and had to go on antifungals. And he, um, can I say the word diarrhea? You can podcast? say, we call it number three, because there's number one and number two. So he had number three he had all the time. He had number three. But it also, you could see that it, it would be like in line with his moods. Like he had a lot of tantrums. Mm -hmm. And he would have a tantrum and also like foamy number three. You know? <laughs> right. Sorry, everybody. Oh, the foamy number three. <laughs> yeah. But he had, and, and we realized that I had a teacher that, um, after he was getting kicked out of daycare after daycare because of his that tantrums. That broke my heart when you oh, were kicked so out of daycare when so I read hard. that. Mm. And, you know, I was a teacher and I was, mm -hmm. you know, known for being a great classroom mm -hmm. manager, mm -hmm. right? And then my own child's getting kicked out of daycare. So they're like, come pick him and up. He, he can like, never come back. And was like, he two or three? Well, it was right around that age. Okay. It's right around in there. It all kind of blends together because he was getting kicked out of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> two and three and, you know, all of the ages. There, it's the thug life. The baby thug right, life. That's you right. Know? But he was the sweetest little fella, but he absolutely could not control himself yeah and then right before we got kicked out of this other school the teacher said could it be what he's eating and I'm like well I don't really know I'd never heard of that before and I you know it was a teacher I didn't know but apparently it's been known for a while that some children do not do well with the additives mm -hmm. Dr. Feingold right and the Feingold Association has been around since the 70s mm -hmm. he was a pediatric allergist or, or something like that and so he realized the connection between a lot of children's behavior. I mean, we know the gut is like, they call it the second brain. And we know 
that substances we put into our bodies, like, you know, if you're doing drugs, it alters your mental state. Or if you drink coffee, you Mm -hmm. might have extra energy. Mm -hmm. Or if you drink alcohol, Mm -hmm. you have a buzz. So Mm -hmm. we understand there's a connection. But the chemicals that, that are made, like maybe in your gut microbiome, actually if they're not making good stuff it can affect your brain you know i read a book um during that time it was called brain allergies Mm -hmm. and the foreword was written by linus pauling so if you've never heard of him Mm -hmm. he won a nobel prize Mm -hmm. and so he was not you know a schlump you know (laughs) not a schlump i will say that and so that really gave it a lot of credibility Mm -hmm. to me the whole idea they they called them brain allergies but just that you know your body releases these chemicals and it, it controls the your just your mood, and so it was a fascinating book. Um, it talked about like a guy who drove a tanker truck, and he developed some sort of like the, the petrochemicals, and oh, it would make him sure. be psychotic. I mean, like, wow. and just getting away from those those chemicals cured his mental illness but it was because of of the chemicals that it was happening and that just really struck me like we just don't really know what all these chemicals are doing you know you know if you rub something on your skin and you get a rash you're like well there that was but if you are around all these chemicals and you're having tantrums and you're three years old Mm -hmm. you're just like well that kid's a handful Mm -hmm. why is that kid a handful is it because you're a bad parent? No, it's because something's going on in their body. He's and trying to tell you. He was, and he was absolutely, it was like a light switch would get flipped. Then what was the first, I forgot the sequence, what was the first things you did? I remember the red dye number five. Well, we, we got rid of all of that, all the-, the Processed or anything yes. boxed? Well, not processed. No, we had we ate processed and boxed things, but just like the Fine Gold Association put out a list, and back then it was like a notebook. Yeah. They would send it mm-hmm. to you, and it was like spiral bound, mm-hmm. it was a little notebook, and it had food lists of- products that didn't have the additives did your husband think you were crazy he thought i was nuts yes and he we had a real hard time with it because this was like we were living like an hour away from atlanta in a little town carrollton georgia and back then it was like you know early 2000s and you didn't have big natural sections in your grocery store so we had to go to atlanta and go to whole foods Mm -hmm. to find the things that were Mm -hmm. on these lists so i remember a fight we had in whole foods in atlanta where the shampoo i wanted to buy was eight dollars he's like i cannot live this way (laughs) wait let me say one thing listen so i can say what i want and he's a phd in medicinal chemistry right so he so he's thinking you're nuts yeah. And you were like, I'm the mama. I Trust don't, me. Mamas, don't we know? We know. We and I'm like, know. Well, you're just going to have to divorce me because we're buying this $8 shampoo. <laughs> right. Get with the program chat. Right. And there they you go. They didn't divorce me. And we used the $8 shampoo. And, and how long did that detox take, do you think? Well, you know, I, we, I really feel like we healed his gut over time. And so he got to the point when he was in probably fifth grade when he was able to tolerate these things again. And so I'm like, oh, we're cured. All right. Yeah. Back to everything. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you think, so let's talk about there's a DNA connection. Do you think in um, vaginal birth with your boys? Yes. Because that's supposed to, we know yep. that that yep. really helps their microbiome. So what do you think? Is it something in your DNA? Oh, I'm pretty sure I had a terrible microbiome at that and time because he, yeah. I was only like, like we didn't understand again if you think back to how we were taught mm-hmm. nutrition mm-hmm. in like elementary school i just remember we learned about the four food groups and, and there were vitamins and minerals yeah. mm-hmm. and calories but you can take this flintstones vitamin and it's <laughs> right. got everything you need no right. really because right. you know, i was like okay i could see a loophole mm-hmm. okay so i you're telling I me love a loophole. i could eat squash or just have that vitamin <laughs> 
<laughs> I picked okay. the vitamin. That I'm was good. easy. Yeah. That was it. But we, you know, we didn't understand, or maybe, maybe it just wasn't communicated to us that I don't think there are knew. a lot of phytochemicals mm-hmm. in the, that mm-hmm. squash that we we don't even know what they all are. There are thousands of compounds in vegetables, yeah. and you know, maybe we think it's this one, but really, it's the other thousands of ones in there. So his started your quest with it food mainly. Mm-hmm. Were you thinking? Yeah, you weren't thinking topically because you were looking at shampoo. Well, because it made such a difference. That, you know, things like. Like if he was in the bathroom, when he was in pre-K, if he would go to the bathroom and the, the custodian had just sprayed a bunch of stuff in there, his teacher's like, well, he was acting crazy after he went to the bathroom. Uh-huh. But she was a believer. People who saw him and yeah. knew him mm-hmm. believed it because they would see him and then they would see him lose control. And it was clearly not just because he was, you know, a bad seed or something. Right. And he's an adult now and he, he doesn't is. live in a bubble. No, he lives at our house. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> and that, that's probably close <laughs> he, to a bubble. He came though. back home. But yeah. yeah. It just takes, um, it takes the impetus. We know one mother. I mean, we know the changes and that mm-hmm. you don't know who you affected at that preschool. Exactly. And wow. who they told, and they didn't know what they were doing. They just right. knew they were trying to make a change. There was a book also written in the 80s, and Dr. Beth, you may know, it was called Is This My Child by Doris Oh, Rapp. yeah, I had that one. I did too. Absolutely. And I interviewed her years ago. Oh, my God, she's amazing. She, she died a few years ago because I even tracked her down recently because she you? still has so much. She was the voice, guys, before people were saying Oh, it. I have her book still. She on was on Dr. Phil. Yep. And that and it changed my life. I remember seeing that really mm-hmm. understanding and her, and she explained behavior, the connection behavior, yeah, and the environmental allergies. Mm-hmm. And she had you know pictures of kids and like this is a kid having a reaction, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is a kid and the same kid when you mm-hmm. get that out of their environment. Yeah, she was like fine gold rap. Yeah, they were both very instrumental. Yeah, early they were early in that movement. Well, mm-hmm. now so there's and they did have environmental things, but now we're really looking at Jen. We have. And Dr. Bickman talks about if you buy foods in boxes with barcodes, mm-hmm. you're really kind of setting yourself up for you don't know what's in it. And if there are a lot of, if there are things you can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. So now do you try to then look at the things and wondering how you, you know, we're all feeding our gut the good things. Right. Do you notice a difference in yourself if you have something that's maybe off your list? Well, yeah, yes, well, yesterday, yesterday, my the, yeah. Just potato <laughs> chips, yeah. With the, it was, but I mean, they were nothing cleanish about those potato right. chips but yeah. I, there they were i mean i would mm-hmm. not have bought them and brought them into my home but there they were and i'm like i'm just gonna eat these chips because here they are yeah. and then my nose immediately like i said just like mm, tickle mm-hmm. tickle tickle so i i do see a difference you know the better i feed my body the better i feel i mean that's just that's just the way it is but i'm cleanish so i'm not going to say i'm never going to have you know french fries at a restaurant mm-hmm. ever again mm-hmm. but if i do and then my stomach hurts i'm like well there you go that's what happens yeah. and i want to feel good and so that's you know i live my life wanting to feel good making my choices that way what was your takeaway in this because it is a big book it is and a big you book you do cover a lot and you do the ultra obviously ultra processed foods and eating mostly clean what what are what are some of your takeaways that you really glean and think this was so eye-opening to me well just you know in everything that i've read over years is just eat real food yeah you know there's a a concept called crowding out Mm -hmm. where you prioritize real food and real food is delicious Mm -hmm. that once you really you know switch over your palate to real food you'll taste something that you used to think was great like i used to love like the certain kind of pop tarts Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and I taste it now and it tastes like poison mm-hmm. to me. My, I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. how did I like this? Like I can remember the first Christmas that after I've been doing intermittent fasting for a while and drinking black coffee, I used to be the person who, you know, like the first day of pumpkin spice season, I was in that September line. September 1st, there you were. pumpkin spice. Mm-hmm. And then when the gingerbread mm-hmm. would come, mm-hmm. I'd be like, woo! So one day I was at but Target. But you could quit any time. You were not an addict, right? Yeah, yeah I could right. quit any time. <laughs> but I remember one time I was at Target, my window was open. So I'm like, I'm going to have this gingerbread spice mm-hmm. latte. I'm so excited. And I started drinking it. I'm like, this tastes like rat poison, like <laughs> total rat poison. I'm like, I was really sad. Yeah. Because I used to love I it, know. but my taste was picking up all the artificial. Yeah. Like, for example, I can't eat red velvet cake yeah. because mm-hmm. I can taste the food dye mm-hmm. in it. And it wow. is not delicious. Even the food dye. Yeah. Wow. I'm a super taster. Yes, you are. That's a real discrimination. It is a real palette. thing. There is something called a super taster, and you're, you can pick up different flavors than uh, other people yeah, can. Yeah, and it's really valuable. It's true. Because it's <laughs> also, as an animal, won't eat certain dead that is, there's something wrong because it's the same thing. Yeah. Of It's your little animal sniffer and there taster. There you go. And going. I just, I can't, I just absolutely, so it's really easy to not eat, eat those things mm-hmm. that really just, they don't taste good to me anymore. Unfortunately, those barbecue potato chips still tasted good. And then, <laughs> besides the itchy nose, did yeah. you get a headache or anything else? I didn't or get a headache. GI distress? Nothing? No, no. So it you just, can really I was listen sneezing, to every, sneezing, yeah. sneezing. And then I woke up this morning and I'm fine, but I just needed to get away from all that, you know. I think one of the most fun things you talk about, and I know people in here have talked about, it's all of a sudden this ability, and Chef Jamie McAfee's here, he's lost 93 pounds now. He's a celebrated That's chef. Amazing. Yeah, celebrated chef in the state of Arkansas. And he called me this summer, mad as a hornet, and I said, why? And he goes, I'm craving Brussels sprouts. Well, he, goes, yeah. he said, I never liked Brussels sprouts. That, that's really how you know, right? Yes. It's all of a sudden, these things that were for, that you thought your mother made you eat, Yeah, your body says, you know, there are nutrients in that mm-hmm. that are delightful. And, and you know, our bodies do not count calories. Our bodies count nutrients. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not putting real food into your body, you can eat and eat and eat. You've probably had this experience, all of us have, where you're stuffed but still rummaging around the kitchen because you're just Mm -hmm. not satisfied, it's because you haven't fed your body something that it needs. Mm -hmm. If you start with nutrients, Real food. Real food, real food, then then you're not going to be like looking as much for that one more little thing because your body's like, all right, that was it. I've, I've had my nutrients. And also, the way you cook it makes a difference. Yeah, my mother used that, to make yeah. Brussels sprouts, the frozen ones, and she would boil them. Oh, no. So no. if you don't like foods, it's probably because yeah. you're not cooking it very well. Yeah. And can't we just roast everything <laughs> yes. and some avocado uh-huh. oil? That's and- it. And add other things to it. And that's the It's a whole different thing. So if you think you don't like something, it might be the way your mama made it. That's right. Sorry. (laughs) Now, I know you used to use the food subscription services. I still do. I I thought they all died. Are are there some still available? Yeah, I love, like, um, like Green Chef sponsors, too, my podcast. I love Green Chef, and I also love Sunbasket, and we use both of them every week. And it's because, like they, they send organic produce. And you've really enjoyed that. I love you it. It's real cooking. People palate. don't understand. Yeah. They think that they're like sending you already prepared food, but you're not. Like they send you like one tomato mm-hmm. or like a little pouch of organic mm-hmm. spices, mm-hmm. like this much. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have to go to the store and buy a $10, right. you it's know, spice, there, whatever. Right. Instead, they send you exactly what you need. Or like like a handful of Brussels sprouts yeah. for the meal. And so there's no food waste, which is what I really like. But, you know, I've tried a lot of things that I never would have tried before because you get in a rut. I Well, I did. I'm the kind of person that, like, if, if something happens to my food box and it doesn't come, I'm like, well, we're having chili. <laughs> No, that's or your maybe go-to. we're gonna have spaghetti. Okay, good. You or got, you, you know, you've got two things in a repertoire. Uh, then that's it. 
right. <laughs> or I'll roast something or we'll have a baked potato. I mm-hmm. don't know. But, you know, instead I'm eating like something with chickpeas mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. And we had, you know, shakshuka. I mean, you know, just different things. Oh, I love shakshuka. I do too. <gasps> Have you ever had shakshuka? It's an Israeli dish, right? Middle Eastern Israeli dish, yeah. Jamie. And it's got eggs on it, but it's tomatoes mm, that so you good. cook down with flavorful spices. I never spices. would have been like, I think I'm going to make No. So good. And you have to buy all these tons of things, but if it just comes to you and you so like, open the bag. Like that? So you only had like four eggs or three eggs it or brings, whatever? Yeah, they sent you the little eggs so and the cute. little thing. And I always had extra eggs. Right, because so you can't. Got, we want like, more. I don't want one egg. I want yeah. two eggs. So what do you do for the for special occasions so that you don't overeat and you're not then foraging in the, the trash for more food, like after a birthday and you've had cake? Because it doesn't have the nutrients we need. Yeah, well, I mean, it just all depends. I, when, when we're having special events, like, it just depends on is it window worthy. Yeah. And whether I want to eat or not. Like, my niece mm-hmm. had a birthday party, and we went to it. It was middle of the day, lunchtime, and I looked around... And like I'm just not going to eat right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. And it wasn't because I couldn't. I could have, mm-hmm. but I was like, well, I don't really want to eat that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to. I'll, I'll cook dinner later. And plus, we know. I think all intermittent fasters will say this. We know now what how that food affects us. Right. And so I couldn't open my window with. Uh, sugar or carbs because my blood sugar just goes up and then mm-hmm. comes down then I feel nauseated then I'm sweaty and then uh, I, then I'm almost at number three you know <laughs> I, I get mean, it I get it's it. not looking good for me yeah. so I have to I mean I really have it, and that's just I always thought that was just for me but I noticed other people kind of it's saying true the yeah same thing so I have gone to birthday parties and things going mm, I'll pass. Uh, okay with all this talk about fasting I hope it makes some of you think I want to try intermittent fasting Well, I'm Lisa Fisher, your intermittent fasting coach. That's right. I started in 2017, started to get the hang of it, and realized that I had a commodity. People want to know from people who have walked the path, that's why you're listening to this episode, what's it like to fast? How do you get started? Uh, What are the do's and don'ts, ins and outs? What are some tricks to help you get that success? Guys, I can help you. I have helped hundreds of people in the past year when I started intermittent fasting coaching. I am certified as a health coach from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, New York. This is separate, but that taught me a lot of tricks of the trade in coaching people. Plus, I love to encourage people. I love to lock arms with people and help them find success through intermittent fasting. You can go to my website to find out more or just email me for more information. Fasting at lisafishersaid.com. And also, you know, like I'm really a cake snob now. If I'm at a party, I will look at that cake and Mm -hmm. I'll be like, I mean, if it like came from the the grocery store and the, yeah, you're taking pass. it out yeah. of the bakery mm-hmm. box, I'm mm-hmm. like, enjoy your cake. And I'm not even yeah. wishing I could eat the cakes. I don't want to. I know I'm not going to like the taste of it. So what's your drug of choice if you're getting the cake? What do you want? Oh, I like any kind of homemade cake. Just any kind of homemade cake. Oh, my sister makes amazing cakes, like a carrot cake yeah, with that homemade good. cream cheese yeah. icing. Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. But it needs to be really good. Like carrot cake can be disgusting yeah. or it can be yeah. like the best thing you've ever had in yeah. your life. And it just depends it. on yeah. who made it. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to eat a cheap carrot cake yeah. for any reason. Right. It's just not worth it. No. And it's what we say, what you've said too. We all save I so need much money. I a $50 money. cake. Right. Right. A $90 cake. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. But we save so much money intermittent it's fasting because when we do get the cake, we only it's have It's going to have to be a really good cake. Right. But we only want more And it's piece. worth it. 
And if someone brings you a cake, someone uh, for Thanksgiving brought carrot cake, well, I'm still eating pieces out of my freezer. Oh, it once was a every, good one. It was delicious. Yeah. Once every whatever, because I'm thinking, oh, that's what I want. And exactly. so I, I still, if y'all want to fight for them, three more pieces. I don't know. But you might only have two after all. Right. Leave. And nobody's windows <laughs> open, so I'm not turtling. Okay, let's switch over to intermittent fasting. Um, We have the audience has um, asked questions. We have a real, uh, I love the mix of people here from Celebrated Chef, from owner of a restaurant. Uh, Helen King is here with At the Corner, a great restaurant downtown Little Rock. A physician's here, Dr. Beth. Uh, Becky Norris, a wife and mother. Helene is edit, one of the editors at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tanera is my famous plural friend. Erica is a TV anchor. So we've all come in different walks of life right. to this journey. Mm-hmm. So we all have different perspectives. So Helene, you're up first. She said, I admit to struggling a bit to wait until my usual 2 p.m. window opening on days that I have an early morning workout. Ooh, 5 a.m. Zoom class, 6.30 Peloton. Can or should I run an earlier window on those days? What do you think? Well, the answer to can I is always yes, <laughs> because you're in charge at all times. Yeah. Should you? I don't know. It just really depends. You have to gauge whether you're really hungry or if your body's about to flip that metabolic switch, because sometimes that'll happen. Like you work out, you know, they used to call it working up a good appetite, right? You work mm-hmm. out and then you're like, oh, I could eat a little bit. If you give it a little time, it might just the hunger might just go away and then you flip that metabolic switch now you're really into fat burning or if you give it a little time and you're like i am really hungry then you should eat so it's really just you know like if you have that unusual wave of hunger see what happens in a little while give it 30 minutes and then you'll know if you ever start to feel shaky and nauseous though that's a sign I've your blood sugar is crashed yeah point. and then you should eat don't try to, to like white knuckle it through a, a blood sugar crash eat mm-hmm. but sometimes so you think 30 minutes because a lot of you have asked me that as my clients if i'm having that hunger what when and when do i lean in and eat but the third so you well think like I'm, for me like i have this topo chico right here if i drink a little topo chico mm-hmm. or something it usually is like gone and like, it's interesting i was wearing a um cgm in the fall and i only wore it for a couple of weeks because i hate to track anything right <laughs> but it was interesting i realized that when i would have that little wave of hunger I would look at what my CGM, my blood sugar was doing, and that was always when it was going down into the 70s. I would have that little wave of hunger, like literally every day, huh. I would have that little wave of hunger, and then I would look, and that was exactly when my blood sugar was going down into the 70s. And then for the whole rest of the time that I fasted, it just stayed steady right in that 70s That's range. It didn't yeah. like keep going to the 60s, mm-hmm. the 50s, the 40s, mm-hmm. now I'm dead. It mm-hmm. stayed very steady right there at the 70s. And I, I and the hunger went away and I was, you know, well-fueled, ketones, I'm in ketosis now and feeling great. And I could just keep fasting and, and didn't have like crashes, but my blood sugar stayed so steady. It was fascinating to see. And that's what we want for longevity. The CGM is a continuous glucose monitor that a physician can prescribe you. Right. Or in Arkansas, we can have them prescribed. And mm-hmm. I've worn one for a t- couple of weeks, same thing. It's just It's really, interesting to see. It is interesting, but it's almost too much data for me. Well, it is. It, it was but also lets you know that, that when you're like getting your fasted blood sugar done or your blood glucose test back from your your blood work that your doctor has you get for whatever reason that one snapshot in time people will say things like oh my gosh i got my fasted blood glucose and it's 10 points higher than it was last year and i'm like well if you'd have waited 30 minutes it might have been 20 points lower because it is so variable when you wear a cgm you realize it's not static it's not just like well there's your blood sugar no 
Well, let's talk about the dawn effect, <laughs> okay. the phenomenon of dawn effect, yeah. because that's when, if you have people who are checking their glucose in the morning, they might panic and think, oh my gosh, it's high, but tell people why. Well, you know, I learned all about that from Dr. Jason Fung, and I'm not a medical doctor, but you know, your body pushes out blood glucose at different periods of time for different things. And, and in the morning, it'll do that. And you know, where's that sugar coming from? Like for example, someone might drink some black coffee and then notice their blood sugar's mm-hmm. higher. Well, did the coffee add blood sugar to you, or add sugar to your body? No, because it's black coffee. So it had to come from inside your body. Your body kicked it out from somewhere, your liver, and dumped some glycogen, and it made your blood sugar go up. And it's, you know, is that, a, is that bad? Well, we want our liver to deplete the glycogen over time, and that's how you, you know, flip that metabolic switch and get into ketosis eventually. So when I read the Diabetes Code, Dr. Jason Fung's book, if you read the Diabetes mm-hmm, Code, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. You know, he's a nephrologist, kidney doctor. Well, I but say this. I have it on Audible because his stuff is sciencey. It is. Okay. I was on the lake reading it. Chad was fishing. Of course you were. Reading the Diabetes yeah, Code. Right. Like, when I think Diabetes Code, I'm thinking about the lake. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I was reading it. But... Um, It's fascinating to realize that we've really been chasing the wrong number. Mm. When I say we, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I mean, like, just the, the, our, you know, we think blood sugar is, because that's the thing that's easy to to measure. Mm -hmm. So we're like, well, because it's easy to measure, we just measure that and see what it's doing. Mm -hmm. When really, there's so much more going on inside your body. I read a great paper um, when I was writing Fast Feast Repeat. I think it was written by a nurse practitioner. I wouldn't swear to that, but it was about hyperinsulinemia, about, insulin levels and this nurse practitioner in the paper talked about how really that's what we should be measuring our fasted insulin levels because that's a leading indicator that's dr bickman dr bickman too Mm -hmm. but when you're 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 in the first thing that happens is you start having high levels of insulin all the time and your blood sugar might be perfectly fine because your your insulin's managing it it's Mm -hmm. keeping it under control then eventually you become insulin resistant and then all of a sudden now your blood sugar's out of whack. But if we were testing your fasted insulin level, yeah. we would have known that two years ago. And oh, we would have worked to- 20 years. He says well, it has a 20 yeah. year predictability. He I goes, believe if it. if you look at it on, on paper, people who in their 40s are all of a sudden saying, I am insulin resistant, I'm overweight. He says, if you could have looked back 20 years, you would have had some hints pointing yeah. into that direction. I believe it. I absolutely do. And it's a hard thing. I have my clients ask, and sometimes their doctors will say no. Yeah. And I say, just tell them you'll pay for it out of your own pockets, $5, or whatever it was. Right. I'll, you, you might get pushed back, but it's if you could ask your I mean, it's a, it's a great, a great measurement to have, yeah. because it really... And everyone should read that book, Why We Get Sick, Dr. Mm-hmm. Benjamin Bickman, because it really, hyperinsulinemia is connected to so many things. Isn't it 90% of modern I mean, diseases? I so are many. Yeah. To and, and, you know, I'll think back to the time when I was a teacher, and our children right now, like, we let them bring in water bottles and mm-hmm. have them at their desk, but they're all putting flavor enhancers in there. Yeah. So those children are keeping their insulin artificially high by putting in fruity flavored and sweet things nonstop. So we are setting them up for high levels of insulin. Your child needs to drink water. Mm-hmm. Water, mm-hmm. plain water. Don't put anything in it. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many adults say things like, well, I can't stand the taste of plain water? Mm-hmm. I mean, what? It's because it, they've been drunk on exactly. stevia flavored something. We think that it, you know it's supposed to be like excitement for the taste buds, right. but all that does is keeps your body releasing insulin and and there is the health epidemic Mm -hmm. right there 
And so. you feel, I mean, we all know we feel so much better once we remove anything it's that true. Uh, brings up our glucose or insulin because they're two different things. Okay, here's a question. Okay. So I'm fasting 20 hours, some days 21, 22. When I lose this weight, what will my life be like? Will I always fast and fast like this from never a loser? Oh, thank you, never a lo- for a loser. And now they're not telling. They're not telling who that is. There, there's some that are anonymous today. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing: you don't know. It, it's hard, it's impossible to know what what maintenance will look like for you, but you'll know what feels right. Like you might think. Like I I used to. I remember when I was back in my my diet mindset and you're losing the weight with intermittent fasting. I remember like making all these plans. Like once I get to my goal, then I'm gonna yeah. do this on a yeah. Monday and this yeah. on a Tuesday and this on the weekend. And you're like planning all this elaborate stuff and then you know you get there and you're like well i really don't want to eat for eight hours every set i mean you just don't want to mm-hmm. so you really feel you you settle into a pattern that feels right for you and if you're not there yet you can't imagine you're like like i thought i wanted to arrange my life so i could have the longest possible eating windows and maintain my weight and what's that going to be loophole you're looking for the looking loophole. for the loophole what's the maximum window <laughs> i can have it but you don't you get you get past that you don't mm-hmm. even think about that anymore and so you know like my eating window one day might be eight hours one day might be one hour one day it's four hours one and day it's the body six hours and, and cre- yeah i, I think them. switching it up is is a good thing but mm-hmm it's different from day to day and I really listen to my body mm-hmm. and I, I plan it around what I'm doing. Like last, yesterday I opened my window, it was like probably around 5 p.m. I was, I was like I said, I was at the airport and I started with hummus. That was the, mm-hmm. I didn't start with the chips. Yeah. <laughs> started with hummus. Some and fat. Some, mm-hmm. yeah, cause I wouldn't, if I had just eaten right. chips, I would not have felt great mm-hmm. no matter what they were. But, um, cause it was five and I'm like, well, if I don't eat now, I'm not going to get to Little Rock till mm-hmm. eight, yeah. which is really nine. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, you know, t- so mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to go ahead and have a little mm-hmm. something now and I'll have a little something later. And so I opened out of convenience for my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not because I had to eat right then or I was going to, you know, I could have fasted till I got to Little Rock. I just didn't want to. Yeah. And you don't have to. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Here's a question. I lost almost 60 pounds with IF mm-hmm. in about six months, maintained that for six to eight months, but over the holidays allowed myself more treats even still within my three to four hour window and have gained regained about 10 pounds what advice would you have for tightening things back up and losing those pounds again well again it's the tightening it up and it's really easy to do with the you know the holiday foods a lot of people do find like i usually do find that you know when january rolls around Mm -hmm. you know my honesty pants are a little Mm -hmm. tighter Mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of just tightening it up and and focusing on that food quality again well, really? you, I remember saying in the very beginning, you would have that Prosecco and maybe something sweet and maybe a roll at dinner. Yeah. And then I do think age, metabolism, that is menopause, all uh-huh. plays into that. Yeah. Hormones, thyroid, of course. Yes. Um, and then you said, no, I have to, then I, I save the Prosecco for a certain occasion right. or the, the mm-hmm. sweet treat and just limiting. It is completely true. Now, I've now been through menopause as an intermittent faster. You know, I, um, I'm i 52, mm-hmm. and yesterday I had my seven-year anniversary of hitting my goal weight. My so I have maintained. Yeah. Awesome. I have maintained my weight, you know, for seven years now. That's and within a range. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. weigh anymore, so I don't really know what, what the scale says. But I can always tell. And mm-hmm. it's, I know that it's it, if I had been weighing, we would see, you know, mm-hmm. gentle ups and downs over those years. I've never had to buy bigger clothes. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I do have periods of time when after the holidays and I had a little more pumpkin pie than yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was homemade pumpkin pie, really good quality pumpkin right. pie, but you mm-hmm. still you can eat too much pumpkin pie. But as we get older, we really do need less food. 
And that is something we may not want to hear. I don't think we can eat the quantity at 52 Mm -hmm. that we might could have eaten at 32. Mm -hmm. I really think, I mean, our bodies don't require as much. When I was doing the research for um, Feast Without Fear back in 2017, I was really digging into the blue zones Mm -hmm. and the the people who live so long. And I found some kind of really interesting data. It was like governmental data about, you know, you know, I don't count calories, Mm -hmm. but it was like how many calories people tend to eat, Mm -hmm. like Americans at certain ages and in all these different places. People in these, like Okinawa, Japan, and these mm-hmm. places that are these longevity hotspots, they eat significantly fewer calories uh, than we're eating in America. Mm-hmm. They're eating less volume of food. Mm-hmm. You know, we are volume eaters in America. We mm-hmm. go, we get our big plate of food, it's giant. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got my grandmother's china, and it's like the little bitty teacup, mm-hmm. you know. We, I know. We're eating a lot of food. So as we get older, I do think we need to eat less food. For longevity. <laughs> For longevity, yeah. exactly. And I think our bodies just kind of, we slow down a little mm. bit. Uh, what does maintenance look like for you as you live it? Well, again, it just looks like I pay attention to how my clothes are fitting. Mm-hmm. If I need to tighten it up, I tighten it up. But if there's a special occasion, I'm going to fully embrace it. I hope you do. I always I do. Okay, how do you handle taking medicine that must be taken with food during your fast? For example, I had to take an anti-inflammatory twice a day with food. Yeah, that's tricky. And first of all, the first thing I would do is have a conversation with your doctor or pharmacist and see if you can work out a dosing schedule. Because sometimes there's just like a common dosing schedule that they tell you, but really you can figure something oh, else you out. you tweak it. Like I'm not saying not to take something with food if it requires yeah. food. I'm just saying you might could change the dosing time of mm-hmm. certain medications. But don't make that decision on your own. you got to work with your doctor and pharmacist for that because you definitely don't want to take things on an empty stomach. They're going to damage your stomach. Right. That is true. And protecting but the gut there. Exa- exactly. Yeah to protect that stomach lining mm-hmm. too um, yeah. but you first of all see if there's a plan like let them know you're doing intermittent fasting because so many people are doing it now that doctors should be able to work with you to come yeah. up with something hopefully mm-hmm. but you know if you absolutely have to and you, you know, you're going to have your window later and you have to have something you need to find something to coat the stomach maybe a little have, have a little heavy cream mm-hmm. or little something dr fung suggests a handful of leafy greens yeah that's eating yes that breaks your fast but it's going to have a minimal effect Mm -hmm. you might be really hungry for a little Mm -hmm. while after that and just try to power through that and see what you can do but you have to do what you have to do that's right for your health and you've always said take your medicine you got to take your medicine but but first of all talk to your doctor because your doctor might say oh yeah you can just have that then and that then and it'll be fine Mm -hmm. and you don't really have to have it at 8 a.m like you thought you did Mm -hmm. maybe just maybe they say take it first thing in the morning with food because Mm -hmm. you're supposed to have it with your first meal of the day well your first meal of the day is three it's perfectly fine to have it at three with your food true you you just don't know because you didn't ask yeah okay chef wants to know right over there how do you get through a plateau well, that, there's so many different things you can do for a plateau. And I have a, a chapter in Fast Feast Repeat with all sorts of things about what to do about a plateau. The number one fast or plateau breaker is time. Because people found you, they, you just stay on that plateau for a while and then your body is like, okay, and then you, it picks back up again. But alternate daily fasting. He's just, done that. Have you yeah. done that? Yeah. Remember? Yeah, on my long days, I teach uh, 12 days and I work yeah. You know, I, I tend to do an eight-hour window. Okay. And on your I, refeed day. On the right? up days. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what were you doing? Were you doing like a, a full 40-hour fast and then an eight-hour window? Uh, the whole month of December, I did 40 hours and eight. Okay. But I lived on 
Okay. Yeah. And just still plateauing on the 40 and 8? Uh, I lost one or two pounds. But, okay. Uh, you know, I stayed at 85 pounds for about a month and a half. Now you're at 93, right? Now you're at 93. Yeah. yeah. So, so time, it, it, yeah. it picks back up. Our bodies really do kind of regroup a little bit. So plateaus happen no matter what you're doing you're going to hit hit something where you're stagnant for a while and then your body might just pick it right back up but just keep and I going think Laurie lewis has said Laurie, i think you said one time in a um, clubhouse we were in that some people like the early intermittent fasters and i know we're all more seasoned here um some of you are still new but you said something like it's about month seven or so before some people get their groove I, well, for me, month seven is when people really wake up and they start noticing that diet mindset isn't ruling their life anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I remember yeah, there was a seven month something. Yeah. 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 But that's something to get it away from. It takes time. It really does take time to change all those thoughts. And it might take more than seven months. I mean, it took me years to, to mm -hmm. unlearn some of those diet thoughts. Yeah, the diet thoughts are bad because, you know, when I tell people now to look at the, um, if they're buying packaged foods or whatever, I'm saying to look at the back to see if any seed oils were used. They're yeah. looking for calories. Right. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm sorry calories are on there. Yeah. I'm sorry it's on the menu to the restaurants you go to because let's not talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about what they're cooking the food with. Yeah, and those seed oils are very mm -hmm. inflammatory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, changing what you eat is powerful because these, these unnatural things that are made in a lab mm -hmm. like these seed oils they're very inflammatory and then your body responds in a negative way yep. and then your body's having to anyway it's yep. not good it's bad. <laughs> um, it's bad just bad chef's wife Lori said what has been your most significant nsv non-scale victory honestly it's it's maintaining my weight for seven yeah. years and i mean that's i guess the scale victory <laughs> hmm. yeah just the whole idea that I'm, I'm, it's just it's just freeing the mental freedom yeah for of, sure. of intermittent fasting has been the most powerful victory yep. I think this is a great question because if any of us have ever talked to someone who works out the gym and we're going to talk to those people tonight when we okay. have our special yeah. meeting with healthcare providers and um, fitness experts but you know some of them say you need food before and after exercise those BCAAs and protein and whatever which is all racket, but whatever. But she's, this question is, why do intermittent fasters work out fasted? And I bet those fitness people will sell you some of that, I too. Bet they're they like, will. I've right. got, here's a pre-workout that I'm going right. to sell you, right. and here's a post-workout uh -huh. that I'm going to sell you. Yeah. And um, there was some kind of ice cream that I saw at the grocery store the other day called night food or something. <laughs> You're supposed to eat it before you go to bed. Or, I don't know. <laughs> Look, if someone is trying to sell you something, yeah. then you don't need that. Um, let's let's think about what our bodies do while we're fasting. Let's think about autophagy. Mm -hmm. What is autophagy? Autophagy is your body's way of recycling what's already on hand. It's recycling protein. So let's imagine that you're doing a workout and you're recycling some protein. You don't need to take it all in. You need to have sufficient protein within like a 24-hour period. It's not... Also, I don't really know what people think. Do they think that you like put it in your mouth and it immediately goes to your muscle? I guess so. <laughs> no, that is not how the body works, right? I put the protein in my mm -hmm. mouth and it immediately mm -hmm. builds my muscle. No. So you got to just have enough suffi sufficient protein building blocks over the course of your, your day. But it doesn't need to be immediately before or immediately after. I mean, think about it. You know, people didn't have food all the time. You know, they were out hunting and gathering, and they didn't just collapse of, 
No, you got to have the, your body has to be able to go hunt whatever it is or gather or do the farming or whatever it was. You can't just go to the grocery store back then. And your body has to have a way to, to manage that. So um, when you talked about those pre-workout things too, and there are people there, uh, there's a, a, a bar that says the fasting bar. Have you seen it? Oh yeah. It's a fasting bar. Well, no, when you're fasting, you don't have the bar. Yeah. So I don't understand. What's what's the philosophy behind that? I don't know. And the ingredients are like nuts and honey. And I'm like, they're then like, you're it not fools fasting. your body into thinking you're fasting. Like, No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. It's food you're eating. So, it, like, I know some people that, like, go in there and, like, will troll the <laughs> Instagram account. And they'll, like, say, that is not fasting. And that gets deleted and they get blocked. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I don't engage on it. But right. it's not fasting. If you're eating, you're not fasting. And that's just really, I mean, think about it like this. If you were going to go have surgery and your doctor said, I'd like you to come in fasted, you're like, oh, good. I just ate a fasting bar. Your doctor would be like, No. <laughs> You right. are not fasting if you ate right. that. That's not fasting. Right. So. Or I had a Diet Coke or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Isn't the best freedom, because all, we're all getting up in years, all of us, when you go for the colonoscopy and you and they tell you nothing after midnight, we're like, I'm That's good. easy. I'm good. Or Who's sur- eating after midnight? Right. Anyway. I know. But <laughs> Dr. Been to the bar here, she knows there are so many people that push back on being told you can't eat after midnight right. and you have to come in tomorrow morning at nine for a procedure. People are like, how am I going to make it? Yeah. You're like, you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, they, honestly, though, because they're not fat adapted, maybe they're not. Fine oh, no, that's because true. Because they, yeah. they literally are, like, fueled by everything they're putting in all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. for us, it's so easy because we're fat adapted. And I could go for, you know, however long. What but is they your really, longest fast you've ever done? Well, what, before I knew what I was doing, I did an 84-hour fast. And I would not recommend that. <laughs> I, I now would not fast do not fast longer than 72 hours unless you're under medical supervision but this was like you know the wild west of fasting because we were all just figuring out this is before the obesity code came out this Mm -hmm. is i mean this is probably probably 2014 or 2015 somewhere in there and i mean i was in a group we didn't know what we were doing we're like let's just see how long we can go how did you do it then did you drink oh i was not fasting clean yeah didn't know any of that it was yeah I think I read Joel Furman's book, and he was talking about you know fasting people for like 21 days or something. Yeah. But he was doing it under medical supervision. So right, that's the key. And Doctor Fung wanna... does have those longer fasts that he's talked about. And and but you know he's supervising people right. that are doing them, so you really don't want to go it on your own. And you know I do remember one thing that stuck out for me from Doctor Joel Furman's book. And he's been using fasting for decades with patients. He talks about if you're doing these longer fasts, he clearly says your metabolism will slow. Oh, for sure. We all know. And that's the yeah. thing with the longer fasting. You know, the, the research on, on the longer fast, like there's some research with 72-hour fasting, and the metabolic rate went up during the first part of the fast, and then it started to head back down again. And so by 72, it still wasn't baseline that it was on that downward traje- mm-hmm. trajectory showing that eventually it is going to keep going down mm-hmm. and so you know longer fasts are not without metabolic consequences and i mean and you call longer anything than 72 or anything well, over 40 here's the thing you have to balance your your fasting with feasting mm-hmm. because your body if, if you're over fasting your body is going to think you're starving it because mm-hmm. i mean fasting is amazing but it, nothing's coming in. So 
you know, my book is fast, feast, repeat. You mm-hmm. gotta balance it so your body doesn't think that you're in a panic. And I just remember those early days when we didn't really know what we were doing, and I certainly didn't, and watching the people who are like, well, I'm just gonna fast for 21 days, and people would do that on the, in the early days of the Facebook groups. And those people would have spectacular weight loss. For that time. And then, yeah. every time, every time, mm-hmm. those people would start binging, mm-hmm. blaming themselves, feeling like, why am I so weak? Mm-hmm. I was able to fast for 21 days and now I'm like just shoveling in the food and the weight regain would be dramatic. And they're like, there's something wrong with me. Oh. Now that I understand it, and I talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, you know, they did the Minnesota starvation mm-hmm. experiment. That is how our bodies respond to prolonged restriction. Mm-hmm. They, our bodies don't want us to die. And I'm sorry, fasting for 21 days your body is is going to be like oh something's happening mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so um that urge to binge the urge you know, the the being just like you can't stop thinking about mm-hmm. food yeah. you know your your body is giving you that drive to eat because it wants you to be alive it wants mm-hmm. you to survive so those people that were doing those longer fasts didn't understand that it was their body telling them that was a bad idea so that really shaped my thoughts on the longer fast just because I've seen so many people just really jump right into those longer fasts and think that they're doing and then their bodies fight back and then they blame themselves and think I'm just so weak I can't Uh-oh. stick to anything and it's like no your body is commanding you to stop doing that and so that that's how you know what you're doing is is good for you because you feel better and better over time you know not during the adjustment period that right. you're not going to feel great but once you've adapted mm-hmm. and adjusted to fasting you're going to feel really good mm-hmm. but if you ever start getting an increased urge to binge as you're fasting think hmm have i been over restricting and the are an- not nourishing my body enough mm-hmm. and the answer is probably yes now dr Furman, um what was his book <sighs> So who is the that who is the first think. voice? Was it Dr. Michael Mosley? Well, no, BBC? oh no, no, no. He he was definitely not the first voice. Furman's book is old. Okay, um, I guess I'm not familiar with it. So that's it was right. fasting for health benefits. Really, it was not about losing weight. And he actually even talks about you hmm. will lose weight, but then your metabolism is going to be really slow after you fasted that long, and you're going to have to be really careful, mm-hmm. and you can't go back to how you used to eat. Mm-hmm. And he had like a very specific way he wanted mm-hmm. you to eat. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, you got to stick to that, or you're going to gain it all back. Oh, and yeah. so it was not a weight loss it was health that he was going after okay last question with people who struggle with thyroid represent metabolic uh, metabolism issues fasting with fasting how long have you seen one have to fast and what eating window would you have to follow to see results well that's again that's going to be highly individual and if your thyroid is well managed, I mean, that's, I think, a big part of it is mm-hmm. having a healthcare practitioner who's going to help you manage your thyroid to the point where you're feeling really good. Mm-hmm. So, okay, any other questions? Because we're going to wrap things up. Okay, y'all give her a big round of applause. You can all write. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. Mm-hmm.